Welcome to the Leading Visionaries Podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established leading visionaries. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate and spotlight the leading visionaries who are thinking differently, seeing new possibilities, have the courage to dream big, take inspired action, and create conscious change all around the world. Now, here's your host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Leading Visionaries podcast, where we celebrate the ingenious, insightful, innovative, and inspired leading visionaries of our time and provide our listeners with world-class examples of the kind of courage, clarity, and confidence it takes to bring visions into reality. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Lorraine Siegel. After surviving 20 years in toxic academia as a tenured professor, Lorraine was inspired to start her own business, Conflict Remedy. Happily offering DEIB, which stands for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging, informed teaching, coaching, blogging, and consulting to help leaders and others transform conflict at work. She's addicted to walking and reading novels, and she recently published a memoir called Angels and Earthworms, An Unexpected Journey to Joy, Love, and Miracles. This book is about her transformation from miserable self-doubt to self-acceptance, true love, spiritual awareness, and right livelihood. Welcome to the show, Lorraine. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, Angel, thank you so much for having me here. It's truly a pleasure. All right. Well, I am really excited to dive in here, Lorraine, because it sounds to me like part of your path, part of your journey was at some point you may have had a vision or an awakening that happened. So let's go back in time to that time where you were in your toxic academia environment. And if you could let our listeners know, what if anything happened to wake you up? Okay, good question. Well, yes, I was in this. I loved my students. I loved teaching. But it was a dreadfully toxic environment with a lot of bullying and mobbing and racism, sexism, homophobia, you name it. And I started praying, actually, for a vision. I said, get me out of here. Show me a different path, goddess. And I did a collage vision board around it that put in everything I wanted of right livelihood, of joy, of appreciation and respect, of being of service. I didn't know what the career was going to be. This was back in 2007, a couple of years before I found my path, but I definitely set that intention. And I wrote a million notes in my, I call it my goddess can, I can't goddess can, I'll let her saying, please get me out of here, show me the way I can't take it. And there was also, there was a defining moment, there was there was more, there were several, actually, but one of them was, I was forced to take part in a so-called mediation that was actually, let's all gang up in Lorraine and tell her how horrible she was. And it was devastating. And I walked out of there very shaken. But I also thought, this can't be what a mediation is supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) 
And a friend of mine at a different school told me about a class that was happening called Gender and Conflict. And I signed up for it, found out about the whole field of conflict resolution, as it was called then, fell in love. And while I was still in my toxic environment full time, I went back to school so that I would learn how to be a mediator, conflict coach, etc. And after I got that certification, I was able to eventually escape from my toxic job and start my own business, never having wanted to be a business owner, but it was the only path to do the work that I felt called to do. And it's been unfolding ever since in a, a beautiful and miraculous way. Beautiful. Well, one of the things that I love is that you said the work that you feel called to do. And, and one of the things you talk about here is right livelihood. So what I'd love to have you share, Lorraine, now is what was this experience for you kind of in the maybe in the inner worlds? Was it bodily? Was it emotional? When you got the call, because I think this is a starting point for many leading visionaries, is they often will go through a life path similar to yours. I did the same thing. I left toxic real estate. <laughs> you left toxic academia. I left toxic real estate. But it was as a result of a spiritual awakening in my case, and also this calling then once I went through my own healing, to serve in a new way. So can you articulate for our listeners, like what was the experience of the calling for you? Yeah, well, it, there's several phases of it. One is there was a, a quote from a philosopher whose name I can't recall at the moment, but he said, and I say goddess, the place, I'll say, the place the divine leads us is where our deep longing and the world's deep hunger meet. And I felt like that was the guiding principle that I was looking at, that I wanted to be of service and I wanted to be delighted, <laughs> both. And so that was kind of setting the intention. And there was one day on the campus, I was, I was walking around the campus and I heard a voice in my ear say, you can't leave this job. You can never leave a secure job, no matter what. And I said, whose voice is that? And I knew it was my mother's voice, bless her heart, child of the depression, you know. And I thought, okay, so that's her voice. What would the goddess say? And I actually created two columns. What my mother would say, I still have it. <laughs> what my mother would say about all these things. And what the goddess said about it, of you know, you deserve better, you deserve love, I want you to be of service, all those things. And then I said, okay, who am I going to listen to? My mother or the goddess? And I chose the goddess. Mm. And I didn't know what would happen when I went to that first class. It just, something about it just attracted me. But as soon as I was in it and heard about this field, which I had never heard of, I knew on a deep level, a soul level, a body level, in my heart, in my belly, that that there was something here for me. And I mm. didn't know exactly what it would look like, but I felt it strongly enough that I was willing to go back to school and mm. study and see if this was the path to create a new career. And every class I had, I mean, some of them, you know, 
when you're taking a program, they're not always wonderful, every single class. But pretty much every class confirmed it. For example, the first class I took in mediation, I thought, I already know how to do a lot of this. Mm, I would imagine you would from, you know, being a teacher, for sure. Running groups with my students. Mm. I was also trained years before I became a teacher in facilitation. Mm. And mediation overlaps with facilitation. And I was good at it. Mm. You know, not, I mean, I was a beginner, so I wasn't Mm. good at it. But I had some facility with it right from the beginning. And I loved it. Mm. And that was very powerful. And because of all my spiritual experiences and what I've been through, listening to that inner voice of crafting my own path in the field was something I also did. Because I realized after a while, I actually didn't like doing traditional mediation that much. You know, you're sitting there with two people who are so angry at each other, and it would take all my skill to keep them from flying out of the chairs at each other. Then I heard about conflict coaching and I thought, wow, if you can coach people separately and then bring them together. And it's been absolutely miraculous and amazing mm-hmm. that work. And a lot of it I had to create myself because it wasn't in my training. So I very quickly started adding forgiveness work because if you're holding a grudge or a resentment, How can you resolve a conflict or move past it? You really can't. And I also started doing guided visualizations around forgiveness, particularly, and and also inner child work. Because who's the one who's really, really mad? It's not the 45-year-old, it's the five-year-old. I'm going to take my toilet and go home. (laughs) And so as I listened to that inner voice and then saw reflected the success I was having in helping people reimagine conflict, resolve conflict, transform it, Mm. confirmed the direction more and more. Beautiful. I love that. So, you know, one of the interesting things here, Lorraine, is that you not only changed careers, but you also followed your own heart and your own vision and your own calling and your own knowing into becoming self-employed, which also often happens for leading visionaries. And so if you would just give us a little of that experience of like having the courage to go from a regular nine to five job into not only changing careers, but also completely restructuring everything to become self-employed. Yeah, great question. Well, I'm not one of, you know, there's, I've met so many people since I've become a business owner who had this, they call it the entrepreneurial spirit. They always knew they wanted to have their own business. And I was never like that. I was perfectly happy working for someone else (laughs) if they just treated me right. And when I first started pursuing the conflict resolution, conflict management field, I thought I was going to get a full-time job somewhere doing it. And then there's hardly any full-time jobs. And I could see very quickly that that wasn't an option. And so then I really had to ask myself, okay, if I want to do this, I'm going to have to learn how to be a business owner. And I thought, oh, no, (laughs) because I was so ignorant of anything about running a business. 
But I I wanted to do this work so badly that I was willing to be a beginner, be ignorant, and start learning. So I took bunches of classes. I worked with business coaches. I read lots of things. I mean, I remember the first time on LinkedIn, I, I can't remember what it was about, but someone used the term ROI, and I had never heard that term. So <laughs> You know, I, I and found spiritual business advisors, found practical advisors, and you know, started getting some basic skills of how to keep track of my numbers, how to log expenses and income, how to keep track of who I was contacting, mm. you know, how to build a I got help to build a website, but what to put in the website, you know, how to market, and I still don't think I'm all that good at many of the things, but I've certainly persisted and learned a lot more than I knew when I started. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think that entrepreneurship, from my experience, at least in this realm, it is an ongoing evolutionary journey and you're always learning more. And so one of the things that happens for leading visionaries is they often have to because they are visionary, they often have to add on to their path this whole other piece, which is the business piece of things. And I don't know that people really recognize that it's it's I call it the twofold path of the, you know, spiritually driven or visionary entrepreneur. It's like a twofold path because number one, you're going down the path of creating your own body of work or your own innovation or your own delivery of how you deliver your services and all of those things. So there's all of that creativity going on, the learning going on as a, a result of sometimes changing careers like you did. And then on top of that, you're learning everything that you need to learn about business in an era where everything is rapidly evolving. So we're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to let you know where you can find out more about Lorraine. And we're going to go deeper into a few other things about her journey here. But right now, listeners, are you a leading visionary or in the role of leading other visionaries? Consider joining our community and sharing your feedback and takeaways from each episode. We invite you to join us and support this podcast by making a donation at www.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. Interested in finding out more about how you can receive support for getting your vision out of the air and onto the ground, especially when it comes to articulating your asks in a way that allows for all the financial support you require, you can apply to qualify for a complimentary consultation with me or a member of my team by clicking the Connect with Angel button on the website. Be sure to share this show in your own spirals of influence with the people who you think might benefit from our content. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing, and we're welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. We're going to shout out this week to our listeners in Santa Rosa, California, and we will be right back with Lorraine Siegel. The Leading Visionaries podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Are you the one who thinks differently, who is called to create a significant conscious change in the world, who is seeing and dreaming of a better way for your industry, your community, humanity? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired to guide leading visionaries just like you who want to break through the static in order to clearly express and confidently enroll support for their vision in a way that makes it inevitable 
that it will come to pass. Your word is your wand, and as the leader, your ability to articulate and communicate your vision is essential to its materialization and monetization. Please enjoy with our compliments a free copy of the book, Be Heard by Millions and Live Your Destiny, which was a number one new release in three categories to get you started. The book is yours by visiting gift.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. And we are back with Lorraine. You can find out more about Lorraine and her business at conflictremedy.com, conflictremedy.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. So Lorraine, on this side of the interview, what I want to talk a little bit about is this idea of being a leader, because as you have stepped into your calling, as you have then added on to that transformational process, the acquisition of skills that weren't probably on your radar when you first got the calling. Now you're positioned to go out and to be in the spotlight and to be a leader that calls other people forth to create harmony, to create you know, the remedy for conflicts. So I'd like to ask you about how you handle your own conflicts and from that place, how you manage any conflicts that you might have in keeping all of these balls and plates, you know, balls in the air and plates spinning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I, I want to say one word first about leadership, which is I never thought of myself as a leadership coach or, or teacher because I am approaching it from the perspective of, of conflict. But I realized that being able to manage conflict in yourself and others is such an important part of being a leader that, in effect, I am doing leadership coaching and training, and I have done that. And, and I really enjoy especially working with leaders because they have such a big impact on others. And the way I actually absolutely and totally, although imperfectly, because I'm human, practice what I preach. Everything that I tell my clients and my students are things I absolutely believe, I absolutely practice in my own life. And as I often tell them, many of them I learned the hard way. It isn't just my professional training. It's things I learned from making every mistake you can possibly imagine. So, for example, one of the big concepts that I talk about is story. Humans make meaning by telling stories. And we tell stories about what happened. And we remember the story. We don't have a way to remember exactly what happened. And we often don't recognize that it's a story and that the other person or people may have a completely different story about what happened. So a lot of what I do, and I do it with myself and with other people is, okay, that's the story you're telling about this. And I support people and support myself. What might the other person say about this? How would they see it? What other possibilities are there for this story? So that's that's a big piece of it. Another piece that I absolutely practice myself, although sometimes I don't want to, is about making mistakes. I really take the perspective that because we're human, 
we make mistakes and we don't do things perfectly. And a lot of conflict happens because people feel like if they admit they made a mistake, then they'll be annihilated or they're worthless. And I do a lot within myself and with others to say, we all make mistakes. Accept it, own your part in it, you know, make amends, whatever you need to do. And you don't have to blame yourself or other people. Well, you know, what's interesting there, Lorraine, is that, you know, a lot of us learned about and were conditioned, socially conditioned around this idea of it not being okay to make mistakes from teachers, right, from academia. So it's fascinating that you're kind of coming around on the other side of the spiral to support people to unmake some of those beliefs that they might have within them that are contributing to the conflicts that they have in their life. So I want to ask you now about specifically for any of the listeners who are leading visionaries who are are running their own business, what do you do when you're asking for help in your business, whether it's from a team member or a coach or a colleague, you know, when you're asking for help, which is, I think, a very important part of a leadership role is to be willing to ask, right? To be willing to ask for help. So what do you do internally to prepare yourself to ask for help in a way that is going to minimize potential conflict? And also, what do you do to ask for help when there is already conflict that's at play in in whatever relationship that you're engaged with? Well, in terms of asking for help, I think the most important thing, it does have to do with loving yourself and believing that you're enough. You know, I have to tell myself a lot, especially women grow up not believing that, Mm -hmm. that I am enough. That doesn't mean I know everything. That doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, but I am enough. And it's much easier, I think, to ask for help if you're coming from a place of, you know, no one knows everything. Also, I absolutely believe none of us are meant to do this by ourselves. We're not. I I remember a quote I loved was, I am not a, a rocket scientist or a philosopher. And even if I were both, I would still be standing on the shore of a great sea of the unknown. And it's that humility of not expecting ourselves to know everything. And then I think there's a a component of clarity. Okay, well, sometimes we just have to ask the divine. We don't know what help we need. But other times it's like, okay, what's missing? What am I not seeing here? What am I doing that I love that's easy? And what am I doing that takes me so many hours and so much cursing? And get help with that. Cursing is the key word right there, Lorraine. That's the key word, cursing. Am I cursing? I need to get help there. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, so I I think that that, and then that under, and then sometimes knowing that, you know, we don't always, we ask for help and the help we need, it doesn't always feel immediately available. Or helpful or sometimes helpful. Like getting help is not really helpful. Well, here's an example. I worked with a developmental editor to to write my memoir because I got kind of stuck halfway through. I didn't know where to go. And she suggested doing a storyboard of 
you know, what I had and the events of my lives and the stories I wanted to write about. So I did it. And I knew while I was doing it that it wasn't going to help me. Mm-hmm. I did it out of respect for her. Mm-hmm. And as I'm going through doing all the little post-its, I thought, okay, this structure isn't helping me. What would? And I came up with this beautiful multicolor spiral mm-hmm. that was all these different st- color-coded of my life. And I might not have come up with that, which ended up, a version of it ended up being on the cover. Mm-hmm. The, And I might never have come up with it if I hadn't taken this action that I kind of knew wasn't right, but it forced me to creatively realize what help I did need or what structure, what form Mm. I need. Yeah, beautiful. Well, in our last couple of minutes here, Lorraine, I'd like to I'd like to ask you to share maybe your big vision for conflict remedy for the world. (laughs) Yes. Well, my big vision is to present and coach and teach as many leaders as I can to help them learn how to navigate conflict without fear and have a model of harmony in the workplace and love, really, that so we can love each other, forgive each other, listen to each other in a way that really works and helps a business be more progressive, more productive, and more visionary. Mm, Beautiful. I love that. So in saying that, let me first of all affirm your vision, Lorraine. And in saying that, where do you think your big blind spot is as the visionary of your own initiative here that (laughs) might be the, the next place for you to get help? Well, I'm in one of these, you know, points right now where my business isn't growing the way I want it to be. I'll just be honest about that. And I absolutely do not know what to do mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And I am asking the divine for help. I so I met someone being a guest on another podcast who I think is the next person I need to talk to because she said something that really caught my interest. And I thought, okay, this is the way to go. Hmm. And and some of it, uh, well, it's not a blind spot. I, it's, I want to be so grateful for the opportunities I've had to be of service, to do work that I love. And I want to make my gratitude bigger, too. Oh, that's beautiful. Don't, they're just stuck in jobs that they don't love. And I am actually doing the work that I believe I was put on the planet to do. And I want to do it more. I want to do it bigger. And I'm not sure at this moment how to bring that about. I'm open to offers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I also feel I I am just aware of the precious gift that I've been given to do work that totally gladdens my heart. And I get to see miracles in my clients. I mean, I, I do this work. And it heals relationships that impact many people's lives because it's at work and it's, you know, organizations and companies. Mm. And feeling that gratitude and joy from the work I do, I think is an important part of the next step, too. I love it. Well, let's make our gratitude bigger all the way around the world, leading visionaries. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for being with me today, Lorraine. Listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's episode by joining our community, sharing your takeaways, asking questions, or submitting guest suggestions. You can weave your visionary thread into our fabric by opting in on our website at www.leadingvisionariespodcast.com or by interacting with us on social. Look for the handle Leading Visionaries Podcast on all of the platforms. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your eyes, ears, and hearts open. And remember, you are here to create conscious change. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Leading Visionaries on Apple Podcasts and share with other people you know who can benefit from today's episode. Leading Visionaries is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leading visionaries who are called to create conscious change and know that now is the best time to welcome wealth and cultivate a web of collaborative support to bring their vision to life. We invite your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of new episodes at leadingvisionariespodcast.com.